Today on Blue 58, Aaron Jones had a phenomenal 2019, but what about the rest of the Packers running backs? Then Blake Martinez was pretty much Blake Martinez in 2019. Is there any hope of replacing him in free agency? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. It's running backs and linebackers today, and I'll explain my reasoning for pairing these two together in just a second. But first, a couple housekeeping notes. If you are a Patreon subscriber, you will be getting a new piece of content in your email inbox So by the time this podcast is up. So if you are listening to this, finish up what you're doing here, then head over to your email and take a look at what we've written there. Hopefully you find it worthwhile and interesting. Secondly, got a pretty good response to our vote about starting some sort of book club related thing. Vote ended like 60-40 against the idea, but I think the amount of people who reached out to me and said, yes, we're interested, puts at us, uh, us at at least like a, a book club of 12 to 15 vocal members for sure, and per- potentially some other people who may be interested in following along. So I think we're going to do this in some way, shape, or form, and there's going to be something on the podcast about it. As to exactly what book we may do, that is a topic for a different day. We will get to that in the relatively near future, but I think that is something we're going to move forward on. Running backs and linebackers. I group these two together for a specific reason. I think they are kind of opposite equals on offense and defense. There's been a lot of conversation over the last couple of years in the NFL or in, I guess, NFL watching circles about what exactly is the value of the running game. And I don't think anybody's landed on a particularly good valuation of it. Generally speaking, it seems like a couple things are true. People agree that running the ball an amount is good and can be useful. And having better running backs is also good. Where you get those running backs, how much you should pay, how much you should pay to keep them, and so on, is an entirely different conversation. But running the ball and having good running backs does seem to be important. The flip side of that on the defensive side of the ball centers around linebackers. And here I don't mean like outside linebackers or edge rushing linebackers or or whatever. I'm talking off the ball linebackers. Inside linebackers, yes, but in like a 4-3 situation, it would be just anybody who plays off of the line of scrimmage. Everybody knows that you need them. Very few people agree with how many should you pay a lot to keep them, how many actual good linebackers are there in the NFL. All of those questions are very much up for debate. Largely, I think, because metrics traditionally used to evaluate defensive players like tackles and sacks are increasingly coming to be understood as, well, outdated. And I think it's pretty intuitive as to why. Just look at Blake Martinez, for example. He racks up a bunch of tackles. Clearly, all tackles, though, are not created equal. So I think there's a lot of overlap between running backs and linebackers. You know you need them. You're not exactly sure how much or how much you should devote to getting them. Let's start with running backs and talk about how the Packers running backs did in 2019. And we will start with Danny Vitale just real quick. Uh, Because he is not a running back, he is a fullback, but we're not going to devote an entire segment on one of these shows to talking about fullbacks because he is the onlyest one on the Packers. 
Yes, I know Tommy Bohannon was a thing for a little while. The only one that matters is Danny Vitale. Vitale was basically as described in 2019. Pretty much the book on Danny Vitale was he's a good athlete, not a great blocker. You can use him in a lot of different ways if you get created with him. And he was not a great blocker in 2019, but clearly a pretty good athlete. And the Packers did work to get him involved in some interesting ways. It's just really a shame that they couldn't connect on more of those designed routes for him because he did seem to be open a lot on them. Maybe that's something that'll happen in 2020. That's about all you want out of your fullback, right? Can do what you ask of him. If you're really lucky, you can design some things for him to do. And he doesn't screw it up for you. That's Danny Vitale in 2019. Not a lot to complain about there. Plus, he's interesting on social media. On to the actual running backs, we'll start with Dexter Williams. And I have a hard time describing him as anything other than a colossal disappointment. Yes, he was a sixth-round pick, sure. There is that caveat there. But he basically got a redshirt year in 2019, and running back just should not be a position where you need to take some time to develop. Given how the NFL uses running backs, the vast majority of them on one contract in the NFL, if they even get that long, You shouldn't be drafting a guy who needs a redshirt year to figure out how to play in the NFL. You can either play running back in the NFL, or you can't. The skill set is either there or it isn't. It's not like playing defensive line, where you have to develop physically, or playing tight end, where you have to develop physically and a skill set that can actually compete with other NFL athletes. Running back, you either can or you can't. And the available evidence so far on Dexter Williams would seem to indicate that he can't. He was legitimately fighting for a roster spot in training camp. Even after he stuck around on the 53, he still barely played throughout the balance of the 2019 season, and when he did play, it was utterly inconsequential. At least as far as 2019 was concerned, this was an absolute failure of a pick, and I think the Packers should probably just cut bait and move on. At the very least, you can find somebody in the upcoming draft or even an undrafted free agent who can give you exactly what Dexter Williams gave you in 2019, which was practically nothing. Flip side of that is Tyler Irvin, also acquired for very cheap on waivers late in the year. Had a very limited role, but boy did he do a lot with it. And I don't mean a lot as in terms of actual production because it wasn't like he was putting up big numbers or anything, but he was a breath of fresh air on offense to say nothing about his contributions on special teams. When was the last time you can recall the Packers getting a guy and then showing you on Sundays that they were thinking of ways throughout the week to get him involved in the offense? Like, hey, we've got this guy who's got a unique skill set who can do some unusual things or some things that other guys on our offense can't do. Let's figure out ways to get him involved. I legitimately cannot think of a time under Mike McCarthy that happened. With Tyler Irvin, that was basically immediate, which says a lot about him and about Matt LaFleur. They sign him, and almost immediately he's on the field and they're trying to figure out ways to use him on offense. Was he really necessarily that good or effective? Not really. Probably not. But again, it doesn't really matter because he has the skill set to do some interesting things and the Packers are willing to use him. He's fast, he's decisive, and it seems like he can get it done as both a runner and receiver. 
I initially thought maybe you just move on. That's pretty much just looking at him from a special teams perspective where I'm still not sure how much value even a good punt returner really has for your team other than saying that, yes, there is some value. But considering the whole picture on Tyler Irvin, I'm not so sure that would be a good idea. At least you got to give him, I think, another look while adding competition to the running back room, either in the draft or undrafted free agency or just out and out free agency too. He's at least earned the opportunity to get another shot to make the 53. And if Dexter Williams gets that opportunity, Tyler Irvin probably should too. Jamal Williams started strong, kind of tailed off for the Packers. His first eight games, he ran the ball 52 times for 228 yards, scored a touchdown, had 28 targets as well, caught 25 of them for 166 yards and five touchdowns. The last eight games he played in 2019, he ran more times, 59, for more yards, 241, but no touchdowns. He also couldn't seem to get going in the passing game. He had 21 targets, 17 catches, 87 yards, no touchdowns. This probably has as much to do with the ascension of Aaron Jones throughout the course of the season as anything else. And once Aaron Jones was really clicking in the offense, that was basically that for Jamal Williams. There's really no good reason to take the ball out of Aaron Jones' hands and give it to Jamal Williams. When he did play, he was just okay from a statistical perspective. He didn't really have anything that really jumped out. Those five touchdowns are good. Touchdowns are kind of a hard thing to build a case for a player around. Sure, it's good to have them. They're kind of fickle. One good number that jumped out for him, for Jamal Williams, though, when I was looking through some of this stuff, though, was he, he did really well running the ball inside. And that has something to do with the offensive line, sure. But he averaged five yards per carry on inside runs, according to Sports Information Solutions. I think you bring him back, but of course you don't want to rely on him if you don't have to. He is a piece. He is not the whole shebang. Even if it was just him on offense, I'm still not sure I'd want him to be the whole deal. I'd probably just figure out how to pass the ball a little bit more. Say there was a situation where Aaron Jones was injured and all you had in your backfield was Jamal Williams and maybe Danny Vitelli. I think he'd probably just figure out something else to do. That's not a slight against Jamal Williams. That's just, I think, a, a realistic assessment of who he is as a player. Aaron Jones, obviously, is a horse of a different color. And that's two podcasts in a row now I realize I've used that description. But he is. He was great in 2019. The big story is the touchdowns, had a bunch of them, but they really aren't the whole story here. I think the big things about Aaron Jones in 2019, the big questions coming into the season, were his ability to stay healthy, his overall use, how many touches would he get, how many would be runs, how many would be passes, and his pass blocking. He answered all of them. He played all 16 games. He had a career high in overall touches, got more involved in the passing game than ever before, and he showed that he is not necessarily a liability as much anymore as a blocker. The touchdowns, again, are nice, but I don't think that should be the headline for Aaron Jones' season because touchdowns just have a way of of being a little bit fickle. Seven of his 16 rushing touchdowns in 2019, just as an example, were of three yards or less. He had another three of three yards or less in the playoffs. That's an unusual set of circumstances, and it's going to be hard to duplicate. So don't rely on that for your Aaron Jones analysis. Rely or turn to 
how he was used, how frequently he came up with big plays, which was great. Uh, was great in terms of producing explosive plays in 2019. But the touchdowns are just kind of going to be a bonus as much of any as anything. That's not to knock him for getting into the end zone, given those opportunities. One of the things that always comes up when you look at a guy like Paul Horning that everyone talks about, everybody from the era who talks about Paul Horning, is how good he was down by the goal line. He just had a knack for getting into the end zone. Aaron Jones seemed to be that kind of player in 2019. I don't really have much to say about Aaron Jones because he was just that good. And it was exciting to see him get used in different ways. I wish they would have been able to do that a little bit more consistently, but that is not a knock on Aaron Jones. That is a coaching question. Do you pay him moving forward? That is a question for a different day. We've discussed that a little bit already. Even as good as he is, I I would probably lean towards no, but this is about 2019 and 2019 Aaron Jones was good, was great. But the Packers can always use more at running back. Every team in the NFL can probably always use a little bit more juice at that position. But free agency and running backs are a difficult mix. Uh, There's a story, or there's a quote that always goes around when you talk about free agency. I believe it's from Lee Steinberg, uh, the super agent. He says free agency is where you play, where you pay A plus money for B plus players. And I think nowhere is that more true than running back. Because by the time a guy gets to free agency, he's 26, 27, maybe even 28 years old, how much tread does he have left on the tires? You're going to be paying a guy who's maybe been playing and producing like a superstar, but how much realistic time does he have left in the NFL? That's a big hurdle to clear for running backs in free agency. But nevertheless, there may be some value here. So let's set up some parameters for what we may be looking for if we're shopping at the free agency store. I'm looking for relatively young guys. I don't want guys who are older than 26, 27 or so, preferably under 26 if that's possible. I want guys who can be versatile, who can contribute as both runners and receivers, and I want good athletes. That one should be relatively obvious. You don't want guys that you have to pound into the line 35 times to get 100 yards. You want big playability, and that usually includes an aspect of athleticism. These names I'm going to throw out are basically price agnostic. I don't really care about the price stuff. I think the most boring take in free agency is, yeah, well, if the numbers are good or if the the price is right, I could see the Packers bringing him in. Well, duh, yeah, of course. Let's just ignore that completely. Let's assume that in these situations, these are guys where the numbers work out. The top guy on my list would be Kenyon Drake. If you're looking for just the best fit for the Packers, that's probably him. He had a good season for the Cardinals after being traded out of Miami. Kind of a long-limbed Aaron Jones in a few ways. Does a little bit of stuff in the run game, does some stuff in the passing game. Been a fan of his for a while. And I know we said he's going to, this was going to be price agnostic, but he's going to be expensive. Uh, someone's going to pay, so this is probably not going to be an option. Someone who may be an option is DeAndre Washington out of Oakland. He's a real little guy, about five foot eight, but he's been producing both in the running and passing game in Oakland for a few years. That could be an option. But the third and potentially most intriguing option, again, is somebody we've mentioned already. His name is Tyler Irvin. You may have heard of him. 
Why not take another look at what he can do? He is an unrestricted free agent. The most obvious solution for the Packers looking to add talent and free agency to their running back group might be a guy they already had in the building. He's what Dexter Williams was supposed to be. He's versatile, he has a, he's athletic, he has his own running ability, he can contribute in the passing game. Plus, he has special teams value. Why not just take another look at what he can do? Let's jump over to defense and talk about linebackers. Really only three names that I want to talk about today. When it comes to off-the-ball linebackers, there's, there's three big names to talk about with the Packers. Oren Burks, B.J. Goodson, and of course, Blake Martinez. Oren Burks is kind of the Dexter Williams of defense, except way more expensive because not only did the Packers take him in the third round, they traded up to get him. But he doesn't even have the excuse of having to figure it out anymore because at this point in his NFL career, what else is there for him to figure out that he hasn't already? Or the flip side of that, what hasn't he figured out that actually would make a difference? Let's assume that he has everything figured out. He understands the defense interest at this point isn't playing well. What could he learn that would actually make him into a difference maker for the defense? I say probably nothing. At this point, either he can play or he can't. And the balance of the evidence in 2019 would seem to show that it is probably the second one, that he can't. And even if he can play, he just isn't. That may be a Mike Pettin issue. Also might not be. Maybe he's just not playing him because it's not worth playing him. I kind of think if he could play, he would be on the field, but it is kind of weird that he hasn't been on the field really at all. Is he just that bad? Kind of start to wonder. B.J. Goodson, though, is a guy I have a hard time not being optimistic about. Maybe not optimistic going forward, but just looking back at 2019, just feeling good about who he was as a player. This is another move where Brian Gutekunskadian at the right time got the most he could out of a guy and then probably should move on now. The Packers, I think it was pretty well understood, knew what they were getting in in B.J. Goodson. He wasn't going to be an athletic superstar in the middle of the defense. He wasn't going to be a Luke Keekley, athletic marvel going sideline to sideline. He was going to be a run stuffer, big hitter in the middle, be assignment sure, and maybe victimized in the passing game a little bit. But in the time he was in Green Bay, in this one season, he was exactly as advertised and exactly what the Packers asked him to be. Just a big, strong, hard-hitting dude against the run. And even if he wasn't necessarily very good, necessarily very good for this season, I don't know how you have that many objections to the B.J. Goodson experience. Because what else do you even want from him? If you understand that he has some athletic limitations, if you understand that he's not going to be that superstar, if you understand that he's just going to show up and play hard and bang heads in the run game, at that point, kind of any disappointment in his play probably says more about you than about him. I did have a reader question or listener question recently about B.J. Goodson. Daniel asks, if the Packers in the 2019 season would have left out Blake Martinez in all his snaps and played Goodson in his place, do you think the defense would have been that much worse? I don't think so. So a little, I guess, maybe, but not that much. Maybe they would have been better. It'd be interesting to hear your opinion. Here's my take. I don't think Packers necessarily would have been substantially different with him on the field that much more. I think there is a chance that he is even more victimized in the passing game than Blake Martinez does, because he has a lot of the same limitations as a player that Blake Martinez does. He's not great in coverage. 
He is a bit limited as an athlete. He's generally just kind of a bigger, slower version of Blake Martinez, and that's not really what the Packers' defense needed. So for all the, the, the positive attributes that he brings or all of the kind of known commodity that he is, I don't really think there was a good reason to, to put a lot more of B.J. Goodson out on the field in 2019. He was fine for what they asked of him. Blake Martinez, I don't feel like I have a lot to add here on the conversation. It's pretty well understood where I stand on Blake Martinez. I don't like him, particularly as a player. I didn't like him in 2019, and the worst part was that it seemed like in 2019, people really started to target and exploit him for the first time in his NFL career on a regular basis, and I really didn't like that part. He did lead the team in tackles again. He did uh, get close to the NFL lead in tackles again, but tackles, quite arguably, just don't matter almost at all, at least the raw box score stats for tackles. There is a good article from a writer from Sports Information Solutions via the website Sharp Football and Analysis on why tackles are an especially worthless metric. Check that out. It's in the show notes. Um, take a look at how some of that analysis works. It, it includes some numbers that we have cited on this show before. So check that out. Uh, that's what I'll offer you in this Blake Martinez section of the show. Say the Packers, though, want to upgrade at linebacker heading into 2020. Where do they do that? Well, the draft obviously is an option, but to me, it kind of feels like they may need more than one player there. Even if Curtis Bolton comes back from a knee injury, even if Ty Summers would step up and and become a little bit more than he was in 2019, they could use some more high-end talent at the position. So let's assume they're going to dabble in free agency a little bit. What should they be looking for? Three things, I think. Four things, maybe. Athleticism, coverage ability, playmaking, run stopping. Be nice to get all four. You're probably not going to get all four. But those are four attributes that I think that we can look at as kind of starting points. And we have some measurables that we can look at at each of those areas. Athleticism, I'm going to use a number called relative athletic score. A guy by the name of Ken Lee Platt developed this. It's kind of a good overall athleticism indicator. Gives you a number out of 10 um, versus other players at your position. So among other Packers podcasters, I might be a six and a half on the relative athletic score. That is only measuring my athletic ability against other podcasters. Maybe it's better or worse against Packers writers or Packers YouTubers. My athletic score number, relative athletic score number might be a six and a half. Also going to look at coverage ability. We've got some pretty good numbers on how you do when other teams try to throw at you. In the in the past game for playmaking, we're going to look at ball hawks, our stat that describes basically how often you are making plays on the ball. Then for run game stuff, we're going to look at tackles that happen at or slightly beyond the line of scrimmage. Tackles that happen no further than a yard past the line of scrimmage in the run game. And we'll use as a baseline all of Blake Martinez's numbers there. He played just over 1,000 snaps in 2019, 99% of the Packers' snaps. His athleticism, relative athletic score, 6.42, considered to have very poor explosion. Seems to track with what we know about him. Targeting Blake Martinez in coverage in 2019, teams were 63 of 82 for 570 yards and two touchdowns. He also had one interception. That is a passer rating of 102.1. He had seven ball hawks in 2019, Good for him, not great overall. He did have 16 tackles uh, within a yard of the line of scrimmage, which is pretty decent, um, still a little bit lower than he would like. 
So I'm going to look at four free agent prospects here. These are all guys who have been either brought up directly to me or been mentioned as potential uh, options in a couple sources that we've looked at. So we're going to look at four. We're going to start with Corey Littleton in Los Angeles, uh, Joe Schobert out of Cleveland, Reggie Ragland, who's uh, in Kansas City this past season, and Nick Kwiatkowski in Chicago. So the four, starting with Corey Littleton. He played just over 1,000 snaps in 2019 as well. He is considered also not a tremendously good athlete. His relative athletic score is just over five. Throwing his way in 2019, teams did pretty well. They had a 94 passer rating against him. He allowed 535 yards, four touchdowns, and picked off two passes on 85 attempts. He had 16 and a half ball hawks in 2019 and five tackles within a yard of the line of scrimmage against the run. Littleton seems to be the consensus top linebacker hitting the market this year. He's an all-pro in 2019, and I think he's going to be too pricey for the Packers. But again, being price agnostic here, would I take him? I think that'd be a slight improvement over Blake Martinez. A little bit worse as an athlete, but he does seem to do better with the athleticism that he has than Blake Martinez does. Maybe not quite as stout against the run, I would take some improvement, even minimal improvement, in the passing game as a trade-off there. Joe Schobert, though, may be your pass coverage option. He, too, played just over 1,000 snaps, and he, too, is on the more poor end of the athletic spectrum. He had a relative athletic score of 5.88, also considered a half-poor explosion. When teams threw at him in 2019, they were 38 of 55 for 357 yards, three touchdowns, and four interceptions. He picked off four passes. That is a passer rating of 74.6, not too shabby. He had 17 ball hawks in 2019 and made 23 tackles within a yard of the line of scrimmage. Joe Schobert seems like the player Blake Martinez was supposed to be. He really seems to have maximized the abilities that he does have. He's always on the field, he's always around the ball, and he's making plays on the ball where Martinez seems to struggle to do that. I might be interested in Joe Schobert. Reggie Ragland was a name that that a listener specifically asked me about. Here is my Reggie Ragland take. He is much more of a part-time player than the other guys on this list. He only played 235 snaps in 2019, probably looking at something like a rich man's B.J. Goodson if you bring him in, because he is not a great athlete at all. His relative athletic score, again, comparing him to all other off-the-ball linebackers, is just 3.99. That is not good at all. He was barely in coverage, though, so the Chiefs knew how to hide him. Only 14 passes were attempted on him in coverage, He didn't allow a touchdown or an interception. He allowed a passer rating of just 73.5. Didn't make many plays on the ball, just two ball hawks, but had seven tackles within a yard of the line of scrimmage in just those 235 snaps. That's not too shabby. I could be convinced to do Reggie Raglan plus a high-end draft pick as the Packers remodel at linebacker in 2019. I wouldn't necessarily turn that down if I had the option. Finally, Nick Kwiatkowski out of Chicago. This seems like a good example of the sort of player uh, Brian Gutekunst. I almost called him Blake Gutekunst. Brian Gutekunst may be interested in it because he didn't play a whole ton 
of snaps in 2019. Just 512, a shade under half the snaps for the Bears in 2019. So you can see some projection here. If you see if he if you think he did this much in this many snaps, maybe he produces even more given more opportunities. He is the best athlete of the bunch that we've looked at so far. His relative athletic score is 7.29. That's pretty good. Not great, but pretty good. In coverage, he allowed just 59.5% of the passes thrown his way to be completed. He gave up 137 yards, a touchdown, and an interception, a 66.0 passer rating. Had nine ball hawks and made eight tackles within a yard of the line of scrimmage. I don't have any sort of barometer on the sort of contract he could get. It kind of is going to depend on on how the league decides they want to value linebackers this offseason. But if I was going to spend, maybe if not on Kwiatkowski specifically, I would be looking for a player like him. And if you have a guy that you think is like him, bring him up either in the comments on YouTube, on Facebook, or on Twitter. Let me know and we can talk about them on the podcast. I'm interested in your thoughts. And in stuff like this, free agency talk, the draft, I need help from you. I want to know who you want to talk about, who we can research, who we can put some context around as we head into this part of the offseason. Because a lot of this stuff is dealing with unknown commodities, but we can learn about them together. I'm interested in knowing who you would like to know about and who you would like to see the Packers pursue. So if there are names that are floating around out there that you'd like to see us talk about, bring them up. We can throw them out on the show um, and then we can talk about them. I I would love to do that for you. I would love to have that as part of the show. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. That is all I have for you on this one. I do appreciate everybody who takes the time to download an episode and listen in. If you like what you heard today, leave us a rating and review wherever you happen to listen. That helps more people find the show. And if you want access to some premium content and uh, to support us that way, check us out at patreon.com slash thepowersweep. A dollar per month there is all that we ask. You'll get access to all the content we post and 25% off at our Teespring store getting your money back right away. If you have an idea for the show, just want to say hi, reach us through thepowersweep.com on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, wherever, or just email thepowersweep1959 at gmail.com. We do appreciate everybody who takes the time to reach out. Every bit of feedback, every thought, every question you leave with us helps us make this entire operation better, which in turn furthers my mission of helping everybody become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.